It is the 13th of November 2014, and this is the audio podcast, show 134, Some Solo Smash. Woo. Well, hey, that was Scott Hewitt. I'm Samuel Freeman, and Adam Ranch is there as well. Yes, this is the audio podcast. We have news, and we have a review, and there is plunder. Yes, indeed. And uh, I'm, I'm guessing that the show title doesn't isn't making reference to a certain uh, brand of mashed potato, but uh, even if it does, you you can get in contact with us very easily. Um, you can you can email show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. You can Twitter us uh, at the audio podcast, and don't forget, of course, the show notes that we run off are available at theaudiopodcast.co.uk forward slash show forward slash 134. And now I believe we can get the show started. Yeah, let's begin with the review. And the review is for Reason 8. Propellerhead have released Reason 8 quite a while ago. And it's um, and it's quite good. When we first mentioned this, and in the, there was a lot of hype in lead up to it, we, I, I think I was a little bit critical that their key emphasis was on they um the the redesign of the user interface and I was perhaps a little less enthusiastic about it than I usually am with propeller head things. I take it all back. Having actually got hands on and played with it, the changes they've made to the interface with the browser on um, embedded within the UI and I, it's difficult to think of how to describe it beyond the words they've used themselves, but the workflow they like I, I took it as hype when they just went on and on about workflow, but it actually makes it really quick to swap things in and out and change them. So, yep, and really easy to use. In the process of um, in the process of doing this review, my um, son, who's eight years old, was interested in looking over his shoulder, so I showed him how to, um, to right-click in the empty rack and create a new audio track, and then how to get to the inserts, and showed him how to drag and drop the effects in, and to browse the different presets on the different effects and then I sat back and let him play for ages actually quite a long time and he yeah he, he was really into the um, the delay and the different effects on that and exploring the ping pong and stuff but yeah anyway that's kind of a sideline to it like cool. is, it, is that a selling point that eight-year-olds can get hold get hang of this maybe maybe not um, and do you have a a video share, a screen share. No, not not today. Not not today for this. That's in the past. That's I've always found that that going in the way. Actually, I've I've always thought that it made the thing a bit slower. But so that's the first feature. Is the okay, so the thing I want to know about Sam is, okay. from from my point of view, was the the collaboration for the um, guitar amplifiers. Yes, that's exactly that's. That's the next. That's the next part. Which, um, they are rack extensions. They do not. They do not come pre-installed, as it were. They're not listed on the, um, on the effects until you go through the, through the rack extension store and download them. They're you know they're available with the license. So once you've downloaded them, they are they they become available and just like with the other stuff, you can now drag and drop it into an insert spot. And yeah, they are 
they're good actually. I one I find it a little bit in terms of this workflow thing that that's they've re that's released fast now. When you change settings, it does glitch in a kind of you know we're we're changing the digital thing a bit more than if it was actually analog and you pressed a button, the audio would continue. You might get a crunch or a click. You might get some kind of you know audio extra sound, but the actual flow of the sound going through it wouldn't be interrupted in the way that it is with this. I wonder whether or not whether or not that's something that Propellerhead could... Because they go to all this effort of making the visual so kind of skeuomorphic, you know, when you turn around to the back of the rack, all of the wires wobble and things as if that makes any difference to the sound, which it doesn't. If they could make the sound a little bit more, you know, if it's... You can you know when there's going to be a digital glitch. It's when you plug something or change a setting or, or switch a switch that involves loading up a new algorithm. If, it'd be great if they could add in a, you know, a fake analog scratching noise or something, rather than just have. I mean, that would be more intrusive than just the subtle discontinuity of the digital audio changing. But I don't know, just an idea there. Um, it's much better that it does that kind of thing, though, than requiring you to hit stop and then swap in whatever and then press play again, isn't it? Because yes, it's it's really tough to make comparative judgments when you have to stop, load something else in, press play, stop, load something else in, press play, isn't it? Just being able to flip in and out of things is is much yeah. preferred. But I, I know ex I know exactly what you're meaning. I'm saying it. I've always thought that about reason. If you're going to if you're going to make a big deal out of looking like you're emulating a hardware environment, then you know, you might as well go all the way if you're going to. And it could be an optional thing, of course. You know, like you can, like you can switch off the wobbling of the wires. You can, you, you, it would be an option. To, yeah. So one of the one of the neat features of uh, of the rack extensions is that, if I remember correctly, pretty much everything is available as a 30-day free trial, isn't it? So it is. You can yeah. kind of play with them, see which ones you like, and then if there's one you like, you can, you know, you can obviously. You can purchase it, but but you can just use them. Most of them you can use; they work completely. So, you know, I mean, if you're working on a really aggressive deadline, you can, you know, you can use one for 30 days. So it, it's nice to be able to play with things like that, which is really kind of cool. So apart from the new uh, the soft tube emulation, amp emulations that were included, and then the polishing of the user interface, which is, you know, was something that you know the older versions of Reason were looking a little bit strained, weren't they, at times? So I think it's cool that they've done that. What what else would you have said is the what what else caught your eye about it? It is more user interfacings when you're moving stuff around. So, like the obvious things are, it's kind of just got a smooth layout. And oh, the key thing for me is the yeah. Forget what I was going to say. That's hard to describe about the video. But the click volume control used to be a dial that was on the bottom of the user interface. Various, it would always be at the bottom of the screen. And when you wanted to change the volume, if you wanted to turn the volume down on the click, then you only had about five pixels of down dragging, so it was impossible to get it all the way down to low in one movement because they reasons dials work just on an up down dragging. They don't change if you go left right. But so now they've got rid of the dial and it's now a um, a, a visual slider to control the volume of the click. It's like little tiny things like that all add up to a much nicer experience for me. Awesome stuff. Yeah, and in I, yeah, I don't know whether or not this is. I'm. I think this is a new thing. But when you're using, um, I put in some beats to go along with the guitar stuff that I was testing the amplifiers with, and it was possible with the rec, the Doctor Rex thing. You can change which 
loop is being played in the arrangement area in the sequencer much e more easily than you used to be able to. So I don't. That could have been in a seven point something update. I'm not sure. Mm. Awesome stuff. Cool. So yep, yeah, I take back my initial hesitance and. I'm now really excited about it again after after a little while of not of being less excited. It's it's great stuff. It's great stuff. That's cool. And how about the ge the general sound? Because the 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 mixer in it is modelled on an SSL desk, isn't it? Now they've kind of remodelled the whole the whole kind of sound of it. So would you have said? I, I I'm saying you really want that kind of thing to be something that's non-obtrusive. And I presume you know I mean like. Would that be how you describe it? Would you say, or? Yeah, I mean that's not new in version eight. That's been there a while. Um, it's Reason has a very particular sound. It always has. Like it, it's always going to sound like Reason in a way, and it's it's very hard to pinpoint exactly where that comes from. But it sounds better than it used to for sure. The channel strips that you get on there are are fantastic. They've, every channel's got dynamics built in and um, control of, um, it's got a good EQ section and you can control the ordering of the gates and the compressor and the EQ as you could as you would on a big SL desk so that's all great one thing that I thought was, did feel was lacking with this whole everything you can drag and drop out of the browser things was that I wasn't able to it might be possible but I tried a couple of ways and I couldn't drag and drop an effect to become a master effect send because you can have this the big model desk that you're talking about, which is the mixer, is um, has eight FX sends and returns, um, eight stereo in and out there. But I couldn't find a way of dragging and dropping from, in the same way that you can into the rack and have it come up as an insert. Maybe I was just doing it wrong. But mm. awesome stuff. Well, if you if you've never tried Reason, then I definitely I've I've used it a few times and always enjoyed it. Always enjoyed previous versions an, an awful lot. So a Reason Eight is available now. You can download it for free to try it out if you want to, with um, the ability to save an ex uh, the ability to export audio disabled, and you can only open demo version uh, the dem demos of released kind of demo versions of the functionality. It is available to go right now. There is also the light version of Reason available as well, which is what about a hundred dollars for Reason's Essential, and full Reason is about four hundred dollars. I'm getting my I'm guess working my pricing here. Oh, I got it right. That's awesome. And there is an upgrade offer running as well. If you're pre if you're running a previous version, reason there are upgrade offers available. Yeah. yeah, I suppose part of the thing with the the re the demo version, like it's fully it's basically fully featured, but you can't export as you as you said, yeah, you cannot export audio, and you can save your work but not reopen it. But also because the um, SoftTube amps are show up as any other rack extension would I don't think you would be able to access them through the demo mode either yeah because yeah. so so hold on you can start a new project but you can't reopen a one you've saved already that's correct yeah oh that's a, that's an interesting take at least you can save it's not like a save disabled one where you work on something but the problem I have with that is like you can't I mean unless you keep the the machine running and the software on and loaded with that thing the whole for hours and hours on end you know you uh, can you get deep enough into the program to really understand how to how the whole track creation system works mm, yes and no i i view the demo mode uh, very much 
as an extension of its modeling of analog equipment. You know, imagine if you were going into somebody's studio, you had a few hours in there, you've got these racks of equipment, but you've, you know, nothing's patched together. You have to, and you've got your time in there. And then when you leave, someone else is going to come in and patch it all differently. And when you come back, you're going to have to repatch it. So that's true. But you can, like that. in that situation, you come, you should come away with your own set of audio files that you've processed with the system, and you can also write down the setup and then go back in there later on and recreate it. So You can. And in terms of ways around, <laughs> is this appropriate for a review of a product that we think people should buy? But you can get around, you can um, save things in, you can save presets in the Combinator, which is a way of having like a mini rack within a rack. Mm-hmm. So the Combinator presets, you can save them and then you can recall the presets. So you, could pa- so you can patch stuff into into the Combinator, save the preset, and then when you go back in demo mode, you can load up that preset. So you don't get your arrangement, but you do get your patching. Oh, okay. Well, so that's a good little tip. Um, but of course, you know, it's a it's a demo mode, so obviously they want you to buy this, the software in the end if you get on with it and you like it and you feel like... And then obviously you can reopen the stuff you saved in the full version when you buy it, so... Mm-hmm. It's not like you, that thing is lost forever. But anyway, I, I, that was a, a good little overview of reason and a, a, a thumbs up, it sounds like to me. Absolutely, yeah. Indeed, so I I always think it's nice for, so it's always, I think it's important for us to, for a journalist integrity point, to let people know that Propellerheads um, sent us a copy for, uh, for Sam to have a look at. Um, Though, having said that, I think most people would be surprised to discover that people send us these free things, considering, as Sam did there, while eventually you came to the conclusion, Sam, that you were quite happy about it, and initially the opening remarks of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> don't really smack of the, uh, I've been given free product and I get it if I say what I'm told to say. So, well, indeed, so I was just been reflecting it. on the, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that uh, that you mentioned how your son played with it because um, I mean I, I, I suppose a, like a, a program like Logic or like Pro Tools might be a little bit more intimidating for someone who doesn't know how it works. Yeah I think that the, the kind of f- the, the physicality of it as it were like the fact that it's modeling boxes of things which he's encountered in his life and he's very computer literate and you kind of saw the whole thing. It's very, it's quite a game-like in a way, you know. So, yeah, all of those features work in its favour. And we hit the. For him, he was just doing real-time audio processing of a microphone whilst playing with the track. So he wasn't doing any recording or anything. He was just changing the effects on his voice. Always fun. Always. Mm-hmm. Fun. So, chaps, shall we get into the news? Yes. Excellent. Um, well, let's start with the first piece of news, which is um, AAX native 64 releases of um, SSL plugins. In, indeed so. Um, SSL rele- uh, released the AAX ones, so that is native 64-bit versions for Pro Tools, Pro Tools users, which means you can now use the, the SSL. Um, it's Duend. Have I said that right, do you think? Duende, I would... Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but you can use um, with five with all current versions of Pro Tools 11, 
um, HD ones and non-HD ones, and 32-bit and 64-bit ones. So that's been resolved. And there is discount pricing running on those until the 25th of November as well. <gasps> yeah, so 12 days from now. You've got 12 days, people. Indeed. Uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast today, the November the 13th. So, yeah. That's cool. Also, in, in release news, the long-rumored, um, many times discussed, finally arrived and also we've had great fun I think everybody else as everybody else has with the preview videos as they were sneaking out um, Cycling 74 have announced the release of Max 7 Yay! Hooray. And they've done this with a hand-drawn picture Brilliant yes. Well, a digital image of a hand-drawn picture on the page I like it Oh yeah. I, I had a play with Max 7 today um, You did? I, I did have a play with it and I have to be honest with you my first um, oh. I, I wasn't overwhelmed, let's put it that way. As, as somebody who really struggled to find anything in Max 6 that made me think this is something, you know, that, that kind of was like drawing me to upgrade, Max 7 kind of, you know, there were lots of, there were lots of things that are like, have changed unnecessarily so, like, I, I got really wound up because a, a dial came, the dial comes in in a new way now. It's like, as as the kind of visual object, so that was quite a frustrating for me. Well, so I mean that happened when they went from four to five as well. Well, yes, no, I understand. Yes. Oh, no. It's been a little while since I've used Max, so I'm kind of. I probably won't get this upgrade straight away because I barely used Max six for anything, and um, it, but I did just get an email. Like just before the show started, saying, "Oh, um, because you've been a long-term customer, here's a code for a 30-day trial of Max 7." So that's a nice little thing. Mm. That's very cool. So something I did notice is that they have changed the pricing actually, and there is actually a new pricing structure, which is a subscription. So you can buy a permanent license for new $400. You can subscribe for $10 a month or $8.25 if you pay 12 months in advance. Um, and the upgrade is a hundred and forty-nine dollars for existing, you know, for people with existing license uh, max, max licenses. And that's an upgrade to a permanent version for one hundred forty-nine dollars. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not bad. I something that interested me was the subscription price. Actually, to be perfectly honest, because as somebody who's been more than satisfied with their Max Five, with Max Five for many years now, as as I've been, and you know, I have to, you know. Like Scott, a... come on, let's be obvious. Max 7 probably doesn't run on your computer, does it? I don't know. <laughs> Do you, have you seen what the... Um, let's find out. I have a new computer, actually. The subscription thing is interesting for me because whenever I've done... Whenever I do installation things, I'm, I off, I try and get... Yeah, the ideal situation is just to have runtime running on whatever the host computer is going to be and just have the patch run through that. But oftentimes you want to tweak things, you know, with the final tech setup, not have to bounce back and forth between computers. So I often end up putting my own license, my own serial number onto that computer, or or at least you know authorizing it that way. And then at the end of things, I have to try and make sure I uninstall it, so I haven't got hundreds of licenses all over the place. It's I mean, although that, yeah, with the subscription things, you could have a have Max running in a location in a better way for a short period of time. I don't know. Indeed, indeed. And you now we've got... Uh, 
the the minimum the minimum requirement now is ten point seven. Ten point seven. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, really sad, actually. I'm really happy on. Well, yeah, I, we we've covered this many times before on the audio podcast, and I know you're very happy with ten point six, but you know, time moves forward, and well, um, and I'm just I'll diverge momentarily. I did actually recently acquire a new computer. I was telling Adam briefly before this, and um, I it was a Windows Seven machine. I survived. I booted Windows Seven. I was going to give it. A, I was like, hey, I'll just have a little play with it, see how it goes, and when it crashed. In the middle of loading Notepad, after about seven minutes of using it, I that was me done. So I'm a. You see, I that's weird because I don't think that happens to a lot of people. There must be something you're doing to it. Like, I, I uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I, part of our late running today is to do with well, that wasn't Windows Seven. That's Windows Eight, and I was that. Yeah, we could easily do a Windows bashing session. That's I'm going to hold back. I, I I'm not to say this week. Let's summarise it really quickly. If you don't know, if you don't know what Max is, then it's a patching environment. It's a really great introduction to programming, and I think we all have to be honest. It's a lot of fun to play with for loads of things. And if you've never tried it, you should definitely try it out. There's a demo version available, and I think to be perfectly honest, the new monthly subscription is a great idea, because. Rather than having to do four hundred pounds for something with a huge learning curve that takes a while to get into four hundred dollars, yeah, four hundred dollars. That kind of a little bit every month while you're interested in enjoying it is a great, a great option. So, if you've never used Max, I would definitely recommend checking it out. And I think Max Seven is even more exciting and interesting for people who don't have any sort of programming experience. I think that that's something they've. I know that Zuccarelli and the team were really keen to work on it. I think they've done a great job of that, which is really cool. And to speak favorably of the new features that are in there, the stuff the, with the new handling of GL, I've done a lot of um, stuff with Jitter GL, Jitter GL, and yeah, the, I haven't played with them yet, but from the previews, some of the new features they've added in that area just make life so much easier. And yeah. yeah. Do you like it? Okay, guys, let's move on from Max to IK Multimedia. Two stories. Two stories. Let's take the first one. IK Multimedia are already in holiday mode. I think it's great. Holidays are indeed coming. They've got some new bundles available using some of their new products recently announced, and they're available on some discounted pricing, which is awesome. And as well as some holiday deals that IK Multimedia are running, they have also... They have updated Sample Tank for iOS, so it now supports the iRig. And it, it works with iOS 8. Yay. Cool. Yay. And, yeah. and we had a little group of two there, and we've got another two stories now that actually are linked together. First is that YouTube's uh, music subscription uh, service, which is called Music Key, should be going to beta next week. So... Um, you, you can't just sign up, it's an invite-only thing. So if you get an invite, uh, I think it's free while the beta's running, and then after the beta's finished, then you can get a little discount on the monthly uh, on the monthly cost of it. But it's basically, I think it's YouTube trying to be a legitimate music service, paying the artists correctly and... Um, also, you don't have to experience ads, and the music is in higher quality, I guess, if it's available in higher quality. So, um, yeah. Sounds, 
that sounds like a good idea. Like, yeah, I'd be interested in because people do use music for. Yeah, people do use YouTube for listening to music. This is how it seems to go. Really. Yeah, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what. People tend to put full albums on YouTube a lot, and there have been a few a few albums which I couldn't find a good stream for, um, which I found on YouTube, and I've listened to them, and I've been like, oh, that's a good album. I go and buy it, or I didn't like that so much. Let's not bother. Um, on, oh, you go, you go. Sorry, I thought you'd done, um, but you hadn't. Um, well, yeah, I, <laughs> a bit more cynical is my, my next comment, which is that the, t- the name of this thing is almost as good as the Google's music service, whatever that's called. Music key. How do you, I mean, how do you say that easily? It's got two cuts in the middle. Well, music. also, I think um, when you're signed into this, you also get access to the Google, to streaming off Google Play Store as well. So it's not just... Uh, it's not just... Mu- uh, YouTube music, music that's on YouTube, but there's also an access into the wider Google Play Store. Um, and so that's from one service to another, and that is... Oh, no, don't go too far. Oh. No, I have to stop you momentarily. I threw this in as a last-minute comment because while, uh, while I think we're all kind of quite excited about this, uh, you know, this kind of development for YouTube, uh, some people that aren't, um, which is quite fun, but a gentleman called Irving Azoff, who is somebody I don't particularly know very well, but he apparently is the man- management representation for people like the Eagles and John Lennon, um, is very unhappy with YouTube Music Key and is actually threatening to remove all of his uh, acts from YouTube. Oh. So that would be a 20, tw- apparently 20,000 tracks would, will disappear if he um, carries out his threat. But, okay, well, we'll see if he's got the power to do that. Um, and um, alongside YouTube, um, Bandcamp have also announced a subscription service. Uh, now they have, um, in the last few months, they brought out an app so you can actually stream um, your Bandcamp purchases uh, into the app and also you can stream stuff that's available to stream for free. Uh, but now it's a subscription service, so it's kind of like... Rather than a Spotify subscription where you're subscribing to Spotify, in Bandcamp's one, you actually, the artist sets up the subscription and you're paying the artist the subscription and Bandcamp take a, a slice of it. What, so, kind of, um, what kind of pricing level is this likely to be at then? What? Well, they had one example, which is a band called Candy, which I think was £20 a year, but they said it could be more expensive than that. Um, which to me is a bit mad because, okay, Spotify, yes, because you're getting access to all this music for one price, but if, you, if you're... if uh, The idea with this is if you're really into a particular band, then you can sign up, you can subscribe to them, and then whenever they release new music, you'll get access to it straight away. You don't have to, you don't have to spend any money. Um, and also there'll be certain types of material that the artist can make available exclusively on Bandcamp subscription. So I, to, me, to me, it's still not quite clear exactly how it works, but it was an, a significant story anyway, because it's like a, it's a little sideways move, I think, for Bandcamp. There's a lot of things happening in the streaming space at the moment, isn't there? as well in general. I know we, we don't have the story in our show notes and I, I might just put it in as a quick comment but there's 
a big ongoing argument regarding Spotify again because um, like just this week Taylor Swift announced as uh, label announced that they were going to withdraw everything from Spotify citing the fact that Spotify were going to pay them less than half a million for the entire you know in terms of what they were actually planning on on earning so they were just pointing out that you can be the highest I think Taylor Swift was the highest played person on the entirety of Spotify and in total was going to receive that sort of level of revenue. So in, in terms of, you know, it's a lot of money, obviously, but in terms of sustainable, you know, in terms of the sustainability of the industry, it wasn't acceptable. Now I know that Spotify are arguing back saying they were actually planning on paying $6 million, which strikes me as a huge discrepancy. Um, <laughs> well, it is, it's 5.5 million. I'm saying that's, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, it's 12 times more. You know what I mean? So it's it's interesting as to whose number is right because they're obviously, you know, I mean, both probably miles away from what the number actually was. But it's kind of interesting what it is. I I worry that what you're seeing, what Google are doing, is actually a little bit of a power play, which is to say, Spotify are in trouble. People like Radio are not doing particularly well. Apple's the Apple and Amazon services are kind of moving along a bit. So there is a you know. There is a there is an opportunity for people with a lot of money, you know, something like YouTube, and I think Apple would probably do this as well to to push everybody else out of the space purely by buying the artists into the into their services. So I'm kind of intrigued to see how this is going to how but this it's, is going to develop. It's I think what's interesting about the Bandcamp thing though is that I'm I'm a big fan of Bandcamp. Um, both as a person who uses it to distribute my music, but also I, I tend to get a lot of music from there too, and it's very um, it's very hands-on. It feels like mm. you're you know you're not using a service to get through to your your um, the the music you want to listen to. You've got a direct link because it's like this is the person and they've put their music up on Bandcamp and now I'm listening to it. So there's a, a really nice kind of connection that I find that and I think that's that same thing will happen with the subscriptions but I think people will use the subscriptions in a slightly different way on Bandcamp because it's a it's a bit of an oddball thing indeed cool yeah. audio bus Scott audio bus audio bus yeah so th this is a nice um I thought this was a really a really nice contribution from the audio bus guys, but they are they've announced their intention to maintain an issues database for audio on for audio apps on iOS 8, which when you go and have a look, you actually discover is um, a way of them publicizing the things they can't fix, which are broken, and they'd like Apple to get sorted as soon as possible. <laughs> but at the same point, it's it's still useful to have a, a kind of solid list of things that won't work no matter what and I suspect it's also quite useful from them as a support exercise in terms of if you look here you'll easily be able to see that the thing you're planning on telling them doesn't work they know doesn't work and not only that they're also kind of shifting the blame to somebody else so cynically there's a cynic in me which is like yeah this is working for them really well at the same point it is actually really useful I made reference to it um, yesterday when I was just look when I was working on a project and I had a weird problem happen and yes indeed so it was one that they were aware of so I was like oh okay then it's a known problem carry on with my day so. sweet sweet I liked it and uh, another uh, well I say another OS based thing but it's not really because AudioBus isn't an OS based thing yeah go on go on 
What? I wasn't sure where you were going with that link, but I, I suspect yeah, that Adam is going to our final piece of news, which final is that Electron have announced the release of an update for the um, analog four keys to version OS 1.12. So, there you go. Yay. And, and if I can, gentlemen, before we go into the plunder, a, a quick short other section, which is what are our pictures today? What are our YouTube cameras trained mm -hmm. on today? Okay, today I've put the camera on the little Behringer Zenix USB thing, which I run my microphone through, and um, USB into the audio, thereby getting my voice LED measurement thing going. It's uh, a nice bit of visual feedback. Uh, Scott, yours is very dark. I'm, I'm sorry it's very dark. It's actually lying on the floor, which was the only place in the timescale I had where I could um, arrange things. But it's actually the top right-hand corner of a Oxygen 8 version 2 M-Audio keyboard. Aha, very, very nice. And I have, a, um, under my camera, the Novation Nocturne, which is a control surface which I always forget the name of. Whenever whenever I want to talk about it on the audio podcast, the name of it completely slips my mind. It has been referred to as the one that uh, Graham Booth has. So in the future, if I forget the name, that's the one I'm thinking of. This is it right here. In the future, Adam, we should, um, we should see if we can guess the, the, the pictures because I actually recognise that just then. I was thinking it would be quite fun. I made sure not to put the name um, into the camera, and I was thinking, well, we could have a little guess on it. It's a bit like the old quiz that we used to do. Yeah. Talking <laughs> about the old quiz, we are approaching that time of the year. The the audio podcast quiz will return as I wait. I uh, delay the uh, your time between Christmas and New Year when we also have a holiday. There you go, just a little sneak peek of that. But with that said, it must surely be plunder time. Wow. <laughs> Um, I'm kicking off with Sam. Sam, well, I'm going to go to the second piece of plunder, which I was aware of. This is the one I've, I've not seen until now. Um, so, the birth of British electronic music. This is a documentary that was made that was made by an Australian director. In fact, um, in 2006, it's been played at lots of different film festivals, including South by Southwest in 2008, and it's called What the Future Sounded Like. It's a 27-minute documentary, and it focuses on EMS and the, the, where they came from, the kind of social, political climate in which they existed in the early 60s through into the 70s. And it's, yeah, it's quite informative and, and entertaining. I, I, I enjoyed it. I watched it just before I came online um, into the Hangout, and yeah, it was a, a really good... I kind of knew the background of it because... Um, I would have read the history of this kind of stuff in the old synth, uh, retro synth um, articles in Sound on Sound like 10 years ago. Um, but still, it's good. it was good to see the actual people be interviewed who were actually involved. So Peter Zinoviev, Tristram Carey, and David Cockrell. Cockrell or Cockram? Um, Cockrell, I believe. It's, it's 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 one of those two, and and you know the birth of the EMS VCS3 and the synthy and all this kind of stuff. It was it's a very fun one. Includes the kind of factoid that um the well I'd love to I want to, I want to check this, but it definitely says that the the first privately owned computer was purchased by one of these people, and for the purpose of making music. How cool is that? Indeed. 
Um, and Sam, when you say that uh, that's the second one, do you mean it's the third one? Because we've actually got... Oh, uh, is there two there? Because no, okay. there's, there's uh, WebWinamp, which I guess... That was me. Sorry, I completely skipped. I missed that. Sorry, I scrolled down too far on the show notes. I'm well prepared today. We, should, we come, should we do it in reverse order then? Should we put that last? Indeed okay. so. So I should take responsibility for this. Um, if you two, uh, well, one of the things I love about YouTube is the uh, the plethora of parodies of popular songs that we get to enjoy. So if you are if you are outraged by the feminist issues raised with the song that is in the charts at the moment everywhere all about the bass, then I have uh, for you two covers that you can enjoy which are, um, one of which is absolutely spectacular as a Star Wars parody which is entitled All About the Bass spelled differently, which is kind all of fun. And if, that bass. and if you are of a northern persuasion, then as and you from the northeast as I grew up in the northeast, then there is the All About the Bass Geordie cover, which is uh, utterly spectacular if you're from the northeast. If you're not from the northeast it will probably not be quite as funny, but it's still fun. There we go. Um, and finally, and finally, um, Web Winamp. This is Winamp2JS. Somebody has using the HTML5 and JavaScript now recommendation, the web audio stuff, re-implemented um, Winamp 2.9. Is it? Sorry. Yeah, that's what you're yeah. Winamp 2.9, which is the classic one. Winamp got a bit. I lost interest after this version. We've talked about Winamp many a time, and now you can have it there in your browser. It uses the original skin files, so any of the Winamp skins that may or may not exist around the internet will work with this JavaScript, and it enables you to play audio in the browser. And, yeah. Awesome. You can play local files from your hard drive, or you can load URLs, and... It's quite good, yeah. The EQ doesn't seem to, the button, you can click it, but that doesn't pop up. More coding could be done there. And, yeah, but I don't think the panning works, or maybe it does, I can't remember if I tested that. But, yeah, it comes preloaded with the... with the the Llama whipping intro, if anyone remembers that. So, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And a feature that I didn't notice at first is that it's actually, you can drag it around within the window. It took me a while to notice that, but... It loads up in the top left corner of the web page, but you can reposition it, and it has the original um, cursor icons come up as well. And it's it's an open source project, isn't it? It's from GitHub. Yes, it's yep, 100% open source, and it's it requires no libraries or anything. It's just plain old JavaScript with plain old HTML5. Well, not so old because it's actually only in the past couple of weeks that HTML5 has become a actual recommendation by the W3C. Cool, cool. Ah, and with that, I think we can call this episode of the audio podcast at its end. Excellent stuff. Fantastic. So if you've, if you've enjoyed the audio podcast, uh, feel free to hit the subscribe button either on YouTube or iTunes. G-Podder, Stitcher. Am I still on this week? Hello? Yeah, yeah, you're still there, Sam. Sorry, I think it all went quiet. I don't know. I thought something broke. <gasps> this was the audio podcast show 134. Therefore, the notes, all the links we've been talking about can be found at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 134. Okay, guys. 
let's let's say goodbye. I have been and will continue to be Adam Yanch. I am Samuel Freeman. And I am Scott Hewitt. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.